You are listening to Defining Moments Podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Wong Lam, your host of Defining Moments Podcast. Thank you for listening in and showing your love and support to our show. A defining moment is a moment you define or the moment defines you. The world needs to hear about your defining moment. We learn from it. We draw inspiration from it. We cry with you. We laugh with you. We celebrate you. This podcast is your platform to capture and share your story, a story that will build bonds within your family as well as your community. When you share stories, we all gain a better appreciation for the unique people around us that we would not normally converse with. When was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with your neighbor, said hi to a total stranger, or even hugged a friend? Be interested in others. Be a good listener. Have that deep, meaningful conversation. Join the conversation. I'd like to acknowledge my beautiful wife, Margie, for her amazing work on this podcast. And to the guests that's taken their time and showed courage to come onto this podcast to share their story with you. This is episode number 25 with Coach Andy Schneider, head varsity wrestling coach at Edmond North High School located here in Edmond, Oklahoma. I recently had a chance to sit down with Coach Schneider for an hour. It took me about a year to actually get to this point. When I first met Coach, I had this really energetic vibe once I shook his hand. And then once you get to know him, it's like, man, this connection is so true. And as I was sitting there recording this podcast with Coach, I felt an even deeper connection. And I realized, man, this guy, he is a real deal. He cares about his family. He cares about Christ. He cares about his student-athletes. He cares about how they're going to do in life. Multiple wrestling championships. Multiple kids going to college. Multiple things that happened in his life. His entire journey. But what happened when he received that phone call? There's a quote in there that I truly admire and adore. The quote, I don't have to, I get to. Have you ever scrambled with thoughts on how you were going to entertain your guest at your big event or big event that you were hosting? Why not treat your amazing guest with live music? 
allow me to personally recommend to you a saxophonist that's guaranteed to bring his best every time he performs. Verl Tolbert is his name, his bilanguage, his enthusiasm, his smile will tell you his story. Verl played at my wedding and he was also a guest on this podcast, episode number four. A natural entertainer and talented musician, Verl T, the perfect choice for all events and special occasions, playing smooth jazz, R&B, neo-soul, blues, pop, and gospel music are his passion. Saxophonist Verl Tolbert is from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and has been playing saxophone for over 15 years. Verl T plays alto, soprano saxophone, electric wind instrument, also known as the iwi, with a heavy dose of soul. Allow Verl T to help make your event something super special. For booking information, navigate to verlt.com. That's Verl spelled V-E-A-R-L, the letter T, dot com. Coach Andy Schneider, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, Nate Gomez, I recorded a podcast with him last year. And after the podcast, he talked to me. He's like, hey, uh, I think you really need to try to get in touch with uh, a guy named Andy Schneider. And I was like, okay. And I remember seeing some of your tweets, retweets, because you do a lot of retweeting on on Twitter. Yeah. And Nate's like, yeah, he's, he's a very special guy. And so what I wanted to do is not just say, hey, coach, you got to come on this podcast. I wanted to slowly just get to know you, get a feel for you. And so I would send you a text message here and there asking how you're doing. Wish you good luck on duels or state because you're a teacher and it gets very busy. So a few weeks ago, we actually met up for lunch and I had a good feel about you. And I really appreciate you taking your time to come on to the podcast today. Well, I'm really thankful you invited me to do it. So. Yeah, absolutely. You're a high school teacher at Emma North High School. Yes. What subject do you teach? I teach health now. Uh, this will be my third year teaching health. I taught science for 16 years. Wow. So. Man, so 16 years of science, and you started teaching, I think, in 2000-ish? Yeah, yeah. 2000. And four years later, you got Teacher of the Year for the state. I did. Well, for our, yeah, for our school, that was that. Yeah. 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 How did that yeah. come about? Uh, it's, it's voted on by, uh, the teachers in our building. Yeah. So, uh, that was actually, I remember it was one of my goals in the interview, uh, uh the principal that hired me kind of asked what my, where I saw myself in five years. And yeah. I actually mentioned that. So, uh, to be teacher of the year, I thought it was important to be recognized by your peers. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's the process in becoming teacher of the year? Uh, I mean, really it is, it's a vote among the, the staff in the building. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Obviously, during those four years, developing relationships uh, in the building with the other staff members, and and then your name, you're nominated first, and then there's a runoff, and it kind of narrows it down. Yeah, and then there's a final uh, vote between the final the finalists, and uh, I ended up being selected. Wow! So from 2000 to now is about 18 years. How has teaching changed from then till now? Uh, well, teaching in the classroom, uh, well, technology is huge. It's, yeah. you know, you could see the influx of it a little bit when I first started teaching. And then now when I look back to the things that I did, like just paper and pencil that are now done uh, just on computer. And, uh, and once you learn it, it really makes the the job of teaching more efficient. So yeah. I've enjoyed the process of it. Yeah. Has it become a little more difficult 
I mean, with technology, things change and become more efficient, but has it also been a distraction? Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, technology is kind of a double-edged sword. It can be used for good or used for bad. Yeah. So, uh, like I think the big thing in education are cell phones in the classroom, <laughs> you know, great educational tool. I mean, you have like, you know, a computer at your fingertips, but at the same time you have every classmate in the school at your fingertips, whether it be Snapchat or texting or whatever that could easily be distracted. Yeah. Do you allow cell phones as far as I know you probably have to use it as a tool. However, do you think kids take it beyond a tool and they're on social media? Sure, sure. <laughs> well, in fact, this year, our district, we've become a one-to-one district, which is they'll all have a, a piece of technology like a Chromebook. So okay. our, our, my students will all have a Chromebook. So they're banning cell phones in the classroom. It's new this year. So I'm interested to see what this, you know, the start of the school year is next week, how this is going to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, cell phones before were allowed to be used for educational purposes, but now with uh, the Chromebook, it's basically they're saying you don't need a cell phone. So that should help curb that distraction. That is fantastic. I've not heard about that. And I, that yeah. that makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> I've had some big news stories on it and we'll see yeah. how it all plays out. Yeah. You're also nationally board certified as a teacher. What's, how's that? So there's a set of standards. Uh, I guess just a little bit above and beyond if you want to go become a teacher and just, it helps you really reflect on yourself as a teacher and what you do and why you do it. Mm -hmm. And the process of that is when I first signed up for it, they equated it to kind of like getting your master's degree in like three months or four oh, man. Or whatever a school year. So it was really intense. Uh, the state does pay a stipend. Yeah. So I will admit that, the reason my wife and I, my wife Angie and I, when we looked at me do possibly doing this, um, there was kind of a bonus involved, yeah, a financial yeah. bonus. So, um, so I had to videotape my class a little bit. And again, back when I did it, I was videotaping my class on a VHS tape. That's yeah. what I remember turning in. <laughs> I had to write out uh, several different like portfolio entries, and then there's a there's an essay test at the end. Wow. So. And then you pass, obviously. Yeah, I was kind of nervous because when I first went to sign up for it, they told me that they told us that thirty uh, percent of the people that go into that try to get nationally board certified actually pass. But they said, "Don't wow. worry, in Oklahoma, the the rate's a lot higher; it's fifty percent." So I'm still <laughs> thinking, uh, "Yeah, right." So, and it, it's kind of true. There were three teachers in our building at the time that were tr that went through the process, and mm -hmm. two of us passed mm -hmm. uh, and got nationally board certified. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. How do you find your interaction with the students, let's say from 2000 till now? I mean, you've had multiple sets of different students that come through. How how is the communication change between? Huh. Uh, I think probably just me being older with more life experiences. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I'm more prepared for situations that come up. Yeah. Whereas a younger teacher, I might have given a quick answer or something that I maybe uh, had never been through before. And now getting ready to start my 19th year of teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to say I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot of different situations. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, probably just, just the experience wise of myself. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. We're going to touch on wrestling here in a minute. I'd like to know do you use your wrestling? coaching attributes and as a teacher to help mentor younger teachers when they come into your school district how do you do that 
Uh, definitely. In fact, I remember the first year I started teaching and I coached as well. I've been coaching the whole time. Uh, I mean, even every administrator, you, they all always say that you know, the best teacher is a good coach. Yeah. So, uh, again, a lot of the same philosophies and the way I coach go right into the classroom. In fact, uh, when I switched over to teaching health, I, I think health compared to just teaching a science class, health is almost like a life coach class. Mm -hmm. Uh, we go into a lot of subject areas like, uh, stress, which, you know, high school students yeah. have taken mental health issues, uh, nutrition and things like that. So it's, it's almost like a life coach class. Yeah. In health. So I've really enjoyed switching subject matter. That's awesome. And I feel like this is advantageous for all the students that come through you, all the parents. And then also, you know, it's really cool that Evan North has a teacher like you to teach this class because obviously you're a coach and you, you know, you've gone through a lot of things in your life and you're able to help students. Number one, you listen to their problems and help them and give them advice or adjust to the lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So wrestling, let's talk wrestling for a few minutes. Sure. You are a state champion coach, all state coach. You've taken all these kids through, I don't know, many seasons on the mat, off the mat, in the classroom, out of the classroom. As a coach, you have different crops of kids that come in with different mentalities and different goals. What's a main common denominator that you tell your students or your student athletes each year as they come through? Uh, well, in my, in my coaching office, I have something written on this board. It, it's a, some things that I want all the whether they go on and wrestle in college or what, whether they don't, which most of them don't, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, some things I want to get out of them. I want them to learn uh, a strong work ethic from our program. No yeah. matter how many wins they get, a strong work ethic. Build lifelong relationships. Uh, have some great memories mm -hmm. of being on a high school wrestling team. And then I tell them everything else is icing on the cake. Yeah. Whether they become a state champion or not, or just being part of that program, I hope that they can get like I said, a strong work ethic out of it build some lifelong relationships yeah. uh, and have some great memories. Yeah. I've had friends that re wrestled in high school and in college and their training and their discipline is, it's a different level of, for me, for soccer. You know, these guys are in the weight room. They're in the sauna with trash bags, trying to make weight, et cetera. I mean, that's, it's pretty intense. It, it is. Yeah. It's pretty intense. So as a coach, uh, teacher, obviously your husband and a father as well. What morning habits do you have to, that are non-negotiable that you have to do before you start your day? Coffee? Is that, <laughs> what I'm saying? Is that okay? Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. Good. Um, I uh, breakfast every morning. I uh -huh. have breakfast, coffee. Um, I have a devotional that I do. I'm like, now there's a thing called YouVersion, a little Bible app. So uh, I, I do that. I have one that I do with my wife and then yeah. some other coaches that I coach with. Uh, I do. It's a little, just a little reading and we kind of reply back and forth. It really, it's again, it's another thing where technology has made it very efficient to a meeting with this other coach and have a devotional without actually physically having to go meet with them. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And I, I, that's super important. And so if you don't have that time where you, to devotion, does it throw your day off? Yeah. I, <laughs> I get a little, yeah. I'm a routine person. So, right. uh, yeah, without those routines, I get uh, maybe a little flustered. Yeah, but I'm—I don't know—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm pretty laid back. Where I know that the next day is another day to start back mm -hmm. up again. Mm -hmm. 
and get it right. So I asked a few of your friends and a few of your former wrestlers, student athletes about you. And I said five words or less describe Coach Schneider. And here's a few of the words. So lives with what he preaches, caring, best coach, best human being, passionate, hardworking, faithful, strong, don't get better than Coach Schneider, pensive, strategic, caring, guarded, positive. Those are words from former student athletes of yours and current friends of yours. That's that's pretty impressive, Coach. It's pretty humbling to hear. It's uh, it's amazing. It gives me chills thinking about yeah. that. In do you have you had students, student athletes, as wrestlers go on to the next level of collegiate career? Sure. Yeah. Um, right now, the in fact, the starting heavyweight at Oklahoma State University. Uh, he's a heavyweight. His freshman year, they wrestled for me. He was a 119 pounder. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he took second in the state. Then his he got a little bigger, went to 145, then 170. He was 170-pound state champ his junior year, 195-pound state champ his senior year. He was the uh, 6A wrestler of the year. And then he went into college and now is at heavyweight. Wow. So, in fact, someone tweeted a picture the other day that showed a team picture at 119 pounds <laughs> his freshman year. And now he's getting ready to be a senior at Oklahoma State University. Yeah. With a good chance to All-American and, and hopefully uh, become a national champion this year. Wow. So with a student athlete like that, do you keep in touch with them? Do they still social media you somehow? Social media. And yeah. Then I go, yeah, luckily, he's he's here in Oklahoma. His name's Derek White. And, okay. Uh, so when I go to events, he'll come up and talk to me. Uh, I have another uh, wrestler that's right now, a couple of them that are out in North Carolina wrestling for Campbell University and yeah. Gardner-Webb. Uh, so they come into town. Every time they come into town, we get together, whether it's just to see each other or a lot of times there's a a wrestling academy in Edmond called the mm-hmm. Wrestling Academy. Mm-hmm. And I'll see them up there. They come back home and they don't just come back home and hang out. They go train. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I'm up there a lot as well. So I get to see them. Nice. Is one of them a coach of Rosen's son that is it out is, in North Carolina? Yeah, yeah Justin Rosen yeah. is one of uh, the assistant coaches on our staff. And his son, Paxton Rosen, yeah. uh, getting ready. To, he just redshirted at Campbell University. Yeah. So he's getting ready to start his second year. Yeah, I actually met Paxton last or two weeks ago. Super dude, and it had nothing but great things to say about you. And obviously, when I met you, I was like, "Yep, this is the coach." <laughs> he's yeah, he's a great individual as well. I was, I was blessed to be his coach. So. That's awesome. How's your relationship with uh, Coach Justin Rosen as your assistant? Uh, he's been a, a great addition to our staff. I'm trying to think how many years he's been with us seven, six or seven. Yeah. So he was on it. Uh, he had coached the little league level in Edmond before, and then when his son kind of got old enough to join our junior high and high school program. He kind of moved over to our staff uh-huh. and he just fills a niche. You know, every coach I think has a niche on our staff, you know, and that one's the exact same person. Right. And he's great at just relating to the kids. He doesn't, and obviously having uh, children himself, but I mean, the kids just gravitate toward him and he, uh, I don't know, just that he feels it's just an interesting niche on our, on our program where he kind of, he's able to relate to the kids mm-hmm. even outside of the wrestling room, mm-hmm. which is important. Yeah. He's got a lot of energy. He does. <laughs> <laughs> so when I met you, we talked a little bit about your, uh, your life and I found it really intriguing. And you start talking about your, 
senior, your own senior year in high school and how you wrestled. Would you mind kind of walking us through that timeline? Sure. So I grew up in Michigan uh, and uh, I come from a pretty large, there's seven kids in our family. Wow. So I actually didn't start wrestling until my 10th grade year in high school. Uh, actually joined the team and wrestle and wrestled those three at my 10th, 11th and 12th grade year. Uh, excuse me. And then after my senior year, uh, I ended up going, there was a college pretty close by that I just commuted to similar to like a UCO college. I just mm -hmm. drove there and, but they had dropped the wrestling program. Oh man. So I had, and they had dropped it before. So I kind of knew that going in. So I was going to class, but really didn't have that other, I was kind of missing that other part of my life. You know, I was used to going to class and going to practice. Well, yeah. my, my former high school coach, he said, well, why don't you come back and coach this eighth grade wrestling team we have, which is separate from the high school. Yeah. And to be honest, right off the bat, I was thinking, I just graduated high school. I'm only 18, just turned 18. You want me to be a coach? And I had no, uh, that wasn't on my plan, my radar to be a coach in the future. Uh, I went ahead, took the job for then. He said, you're going to get some money, get paid. So I started doing it and I loved it. And I still look back on that to today and think that, you know, that was the, the thing that really got me going down the path and where I am today. Now I think I've coached wrestling 24 years, yeah. the past 24 years. I've been a wrestling coach at some level, whether it be that junior, that eighth grade team I coached for a few years, yeah. uh, coach little league, junior high and high school. So you're 18 and you're going to go to college to wrestle and they dropped the program. So now you started being a coach. You talked about how much you loved it. What, what drove you? What was your passion and love for it? I think just watching the kids uh, just improve during the year. That's a yeah. pretty amazing thing that you're, you're obviously pouring a lot of energy into them as a coach, but watching them take that in and, and kind of, get have success of their own and then you know obviously they come over to you thank you coach and yeah that's a pretty special time so yeah yeah and then you met your wife as we go along here right yeah so in high school uh, it's my junior year it was her sophomore year so we met in high school and started dating and she's originally from oklahoma oh okay so she had moved to michigan her eighth grade year so we dated and then her family got transferred back her senior year. Well, uh -huh. she finished school her senior year of high school. And yeah. Romeo, Michigan was the high school I went to. And then after that, after she graduated, she moved back to Oklahoma because it was just a lot uh, cheaper to go to school in Oklahoma compared to Michigan. Right, right. Uh, so she moved back. The plan was for me to move back. But at the same time of coaching that eighth grade wrestling team, my little brother was a junior in high school. Yeah. And I was at the same time kind of helping out the high school team and wanting to see him become a state champion. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we had a real close relationship, my brother Joe and I. Yeah. So I stayed actually in Michigan and helped just him finish his high school career. So during that time, Angie and I, my wife, we had a long distance relationship. And I, when I wrote to you, you kind of sent me some questions to answer. I, I think yeah. back to that long distance relationship, <laughs> how different it was then compared to what a long distance relationship would be like now. Yeah. Uh, like now, I think, you know, you can talk to someone on the other side of the world, FaceTime them, see them and talk mm -hmm. to them. There's no extra charges, really. It seemed back then there was a landline. It, if I wanted to call from Michigan to Oklahoma, it was a long distance phone call <laughs> that my parents made me call. So we, I would call her once a week. She would call me once a week. 
and we would write a letter once a week. Yeah. Uh, there's no texting. That, that wasn't even a thing. There were right. no chat rooms. In the, there wasn't even, you know, <laughs> internet wasn't prevalent then. Uh, so we worked through that those two years. My brother ended up uh, becoming All-State wrestler. He finished third his senior year, and then he went on to Central Michigan University to wrestle. Okay. And so then I moved to Oklahoma in uh, wow. March of 1996. Yeah. When you're writing those letters to your wife, did you put a lot into the letters because you know when you read a letter and all these words they have to have some type of meaning and you have to feel the meaning did you spend a lot of time putting thought oh, into sure. those? oh sure yeah <laughs> they're probably pretty corny i look back we saved some of them yeah. and along with the along with the letters you know uh we'd i'd make mixtapes and stuff yeah. with songs and uh, all that kind of stuff yeah uh, oh man. i was in love i still am today but yeah for that, sure all that stuff <laughs> that's awesome so, there's a point though i because it wasn't a straightforward well, hey my name is uh andy and will you go out with me was it a did you get to chase her a little bit did she ignore you did was there a prom situation where you know she you thought she didn't ask you out etc it's kind of a funny story, a little embarrassing, but I'll go ahead and share it. Uh, so she's the one that kind of sought me out. Uh, we had PE at the same hour, I guess. So the girls were at one end of the gym, guys are at the other. And I guess we were running in the gym one day yeah. and the guys, it was like shirts and skins thing. So my shirt off and she said she saw me. <laughs> and so she asked her friend, then she asked the teacher what my name was and then I guess one of her friends that she asked worked with me at a restaurant. So she got my number through him. And so she's the one that kind of pursued me. And uh, that's, that's kind of how that. I like it. How we met. I like it. You also play the ukulele. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just started that this summer. Yeah. Uh, my son Colton, he was into playing guitar mm -hmm. and then he played ukulele as well. So this summer I was thinking, you know, I'm, getting ready to be 43 next week or a couple of weeks uh so my midlife crisis i guess is learning how to play a musical <laughs> instrument i've never played a musical instrument in my life i always thought it'd be cool to play the guitar but the guitar the strings are set up for a right-handed person yeah on colton's guitar so and i'm left-handed whereas ukulele you can just flip it around and mm -hmm. change the tuning so i've started playing the ukulele this summer uh i got us i'm my plan is to move over to a guitar but uh right now I'm still playing the ukulele yeah, I, well, I saw a clip of you on Twitter over July 4th playing a piece on your ukulele. So I asked if you would bring your, your ukulele, and you have. So would you mind playing a piece for our listeners? Let's oh, do this. No pressure, dude. <laughs> uh, no pressure, um, coach. So it's kind of weird. The first song that I, first song that Colton learned on a guitar was the song Hallelujah. Okay. And that's actually the first song, I, the full song I learned. Um, I have to look at the notes still to play it. Yeah. But then uh, on his, it would have been his 18th birthday just this past summer. Um, it's weird. I opened up my Bible that morning. I don't know why I decided to read my paper Bible instead of the one on my phone. And my bookmark in my paper Bible is a picture of me holding Colton the day he was born. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just was going through just some memories and thoughts. And I remembered. In the picture, I'm holding Colton and he's crying. He's just born. Wow. And I remember the song I used to sing to him when he was little to kind of calm him down was You Are My Sunshine. Yeah. So that day, June 12th, 2018, I spent most of the day learning how to play the song You Are My Sunshine. Yeah. So I don't need pressure. I'm a little nervous <laughs> here, but uh, 
Let's see if I can play that song. So. No, that's better than what I could ever do. That's good. Well done. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's great. What other life moments uh, did you guys experience, you and your wife, as you're getting to 2000? Uh, so, so leading up to 2000. Um, so I moved to Oklahoma, and my wife, she still works at uh, Southern Hills Christian Church, like a preschool. And while she was there, there. You know, parents bring their kids there and she just got to talk to one of the parents one day and he had mentioned they needed a youth wrestling coach. Well, I had just moved to Oklahoma, going to school at UCO. Uh, I was working at Sam's Club, but she mentioned that I had a wrestling background. So yeah. I got involved in what was then called the Edmund Generals Wrestling, uh, Little League Wrestling Club. Now it's called Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. And uh, I coached there for a few years. Uh, so that kind of got me back into coaching because I'd moved to Oklahoma without any ties to wrestling. I was just going to go to school and finish my degree yeah. at UCO. Uh, and then also during that time, my little brother had went off to Central Michigan University and redshirted, but really wasn't having the best experience there. Didn't really like it. Well, the University of Central Oklahoma, UCO, has a great historical wrestling program. Mm -hmm. um, so I had told him about that. He ended up coming down, meeting the coach, and he ended up moving to Oklahoma, walked on and started. <clears throat> was a four-year starter at UCO, and he became an All-American uh, his junior year. Uh, but anyway, when he moved to Oklahoma, uh, he had to have a place to stay. So my yeah. wife and I, we got married in May of 1997, and my little brother moved into our house August, uh, in August of 1997. Wow. So, And she and knew, knew my brother and everything, and good relationship but i don't i still look back to that it probably wasn't the best thing to do to my new wife <laughs> to move my brother in uh there were a lot of challenges during that time obviously having another person you know live in your house when you're newly married yeah but, uh, <laughs> uh worked through those and those are just you know i guess just part of uh just memories now and part of who we are yeah yeah uh, and then he finally he got married in 2002 okay so i remember i was the best man at his wedding i in my speech, I thanked my sister-in-law, Wendy, for finally moving him out of our right. <laughs> out of our house. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of started the move of a lot of my family to Oklahoma in this area. Mm -hmm. So he moved. I don't know if I want to skip ahead. I guess my, my dad ended up passing away from cancer in 2010. Mm -hmm. So uh, when he died, my, one of my brothers, my brother Eugene, he had lived at home. So we had a big house. Uh, we were scared of my mom just living there by herself and having right. to take care of the whole house. Well, my brother was living there. Well, he ended up uh, a girlfriend of his he got back together with. Well, she had moved to Texas, so he moved to Texas. <laughs> so that left my mom in this big house where she raised seven kids all by herself. Uh, so my little brother Joe and I actually moved, drove up there one day and just loaded everything in a big moving truck. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of a neat experience loading that stuff in, a lot of <laughs> memories. A lot right. of the stuff just wasn't worth moving, and we knew she was going to live by herself. So we sent her out shopping the day we loaded the truck, 
And in the front yard below the truck, in the backyard, we had a, a bonfire going. And <laughs> we're burning like tables and stuff. Because with seven kids, we have tables that have been broken and stuff and half put back together. Uh, wow. So anyway, so we, we moved her down to Oklahoma. That moved my mom to Oklahoma. So she's in Edmond now. And then my brother, uh, Joe, I was, he, he's now a coach in Yukon. Mm. So he lives in Oklahoma. My brother that lived in Texas, he ended up moving to Oklahoma. So wow. he lives in Oklahoma City now, uh, pretty close by. Uh, I have a sister that lived a little bit in Oklahoma. Now she lives in Wellington, which is just across the border of Oklahoma, so very close. Yeah. My oldest sister, Kathleen, who's here visiting right now from Michigan, she's contemplating either moving to Oklahoma or Kansas. Okay. So it's like this big migration from Michigan. So my oldest brother still lives in Michigan. Uh, one of my sisters lives in Tennessee, but the rest yeah. of us are pretty close right here in this Oklahoma area. That's pretty cool. I got a lot of brothers and sisters because of that uh, county called Schneider, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned your brother coaches wrestling at UConn. Yes. So do you guys have duels? And we all do. That? Yeah. yeah. In fact, we're in, we're in the same conference in the same class. So every year we just have a scheduled duel and, you know, we just, I think we're both pretty professional about it. The kids sometimes make a big deal. Yeah. About Schneider bowl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, makes sense. I think I would be the same. Like, oh man, Coach Schneider versus Coach Schneider. Yeah, yeah, older brother, little brother, that type of. So you know, you were sharing some of these moments uh, of your life with us so far. And are there any other moments or a moment in particular that you would like to share with uh, our listeners as your life has evolved to today? Uh, I guess could go back to some things, uh, you know, with your podcast being called defining moments, you know, I read through what your definition of defining moments are. And I was thinking of those different instances of things that have happened in, uh, in my life. Um, so I shared one of you, one of them with you, my dad passing away. Mm -hmm. Uh, he had been sick with cancer. So it was kind of something that we were maybe just had been able to mentally prepare for, mm -hmm. uh, I think the hard moments, the harder defining moments are the ones that just happen, you know, really quickly. I was thinking back when I was coaching wrestling, uh, the junior high level, I went to the Perry, Oklahoma's, you know, famous for, for wrestling. They're getting ready to make a documentary about Perry, Oklahoma and wow. wrestling, a, a nationwide documentary. Perry Maroons. Be come out, the Perry Maroons. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I had taken our team up there to a, a tournament and our assistant coach had taken a, a different group somewhere else. I was the only coach there. And Angie had driven up that night to watch the tournament. It's about mm -hmm. 45 minutes from our house. And she got the car to drive back home. At the time, Colton was four and she was pregnant with Layton, our second son. So she went to get in the car to drive home. And she, I don't know, for some reason, she took Layton's, or I'm sorry, Colton's car seat was in the back passenger side. She moves it over to the driver's side. I don't know, just to be right behind her or something. She heard it was safer to be there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so right before she left the high school to drive home that night, she moved that car seat over and then she's driving home. I'm in the bus a few miles behind her. And all of a sudden, it, it, cell phones really new at the time. My cell phone wasn't working and ringing. All of a sudden we come up and the bus has to stop on I-35. We're heading south middle of the night. And there's this giant wreck in front of us. So the bus stops and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden my phone finally does ring and some it's it's my wife's cell phone calling, but it's some lady saying, I've got your wife. She's all right. So I'm like freaking out. I've got like 
I think six or seven kids left on the bus. The other mm-hmm. ones had driven home with their parents. And so I'm like, you guys stay here. I went running out into this, you know, the metal and stuff just all over the road trying to, wow. oh my gosh, where's, you know, where's this call coming from? So I found her out in the median, standing there with this lady, standing there with Colton. Um, she was kind of in shock at the time. So apparently a, 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 there was a driver on the other side of the highway before they put those barriers in. Mm-hmm. And he came across and hit her head on. Oh, my gosh. And the way she swerved, she swerved so that the, his car kind of almost took out the whole passenger side of our, our car. So the, the, dry, the passenger side, front seat, and mm-hmm. back seat. If anyone was sitting in those, they probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Uh, so that was where I, you know, I, went, I was telling you the part about her moving the car seat mm-hmm. over. It was kind of just a weird thing. Yeah. And Colton ended up just having a little scratch wow. on his forehead. Uh, it did send her into early labor with Leighton. So she had to be hospitalized for about 10 days. Uh, they were able to stop the contractions. And then Leighton, our second son, he was born normal. The rest of the pregnancy went well. Uh, he was born on March 23rd, 2005. Okay. So it still bothers her to, to this day to drive at night. Yeah. Think back to that. Uh, so that was obviously a defining moment. But we got through it. You know, no one was killed. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the driver actually of the car was killed, that mm-hmm. hit her. Uh, but we didn't know that person. They said that he was intoxicated at the time and mm-hmm. drugs. He... So moving forward a little bit, that was 2004. So I was mentioning some things about my family. Angie's family has all been from Oklahoma. She has an older sister. Her parents, she's really close to. They ended up actually. Uh, move into our same neighborhood. They live four houses down. Wow. Uh, great people. We spent a lot of time with them. Uh, that was the other thing that was different about, I think, our families is that we're here, we were here in Oklahoma every day seeing her family. Mm-hmm. My family we would see about once a year. We'd go to visit Michigan. So her family got to see the boys grow up, Colton and Layton. They were at all their sporting events. The boys would run down the street to grandma and grandpa's house. Mm-hmm. Well, in 2014, uh, what the date was January 9th. Uh, I had already gone to school and I guess Angie was getting ready for her for school and saw all these fire trucks up the road at her parents' house. And she calls me and she didn't, she was afraid to go up there herself. So she calls me, I raced back home from school. I just raced right to her parents' house and found her mom crying at the, at the dinner table. Her dad didn't wake up that morning. Mm. And uh, just so, so different. The, you know, I would say my dad had already passed away, but it was a, such a different situation because none of us, he didn't have any really health issues. Her dad didn't. It was, in fact, it was the day before our Schneider Bowl mm-hmm. match against UConn. I didn't even go to it that night. They still had it, but I didn't go. Uh, so he had said, I remember he talked to Angie the night before, said, I'll, I'll drive you to the match tomorrow night. We'll go watch Andy and Joe's team wrestle. Mm-hmm. And again, then he doesn't, he didn't wake up. Yeah. Uh, so that for me, for their family, that was just such a, it still is kind of, it's a, just such a surreal thing to have something so quick. Happen. Yeah. Um, and really no control over it. 
I think it started to teach me a little bit. And I'll go on in just a second about, yeah. you know, as a man, as a coach, we, a teacher, we try to control all these certain things. And at the end of the day, we really don't have as much control as, as what we think. Yeah. So making that list of defining moments, again, I listed some, some tragedies that happened in our life. There's been some good things along the way as well. 2013, our team was state champs, uh, got to coach several state champions. Uh, my favorite state champion coach was actually a sixth grader and <laughs> yeah, at the junior high state tournament. And it was Colton Colton, uh, my older son, he was born in 2000. I grew up playing all different sports played baseball at early age, played, uh, he played golf for a while. One year he took off wrestling and actually played basketball, (laughs) uh, played football, but, uh, he had really come into just, and I I tried to really be careful not to be the one that pressured him into it being a wrestling coach, but he Mm -hmm. really came into having a love for, for wrestling. He ended up making the Oklahoma national team a few times in his junior high years. Uh, and then, like I mentioned, sixth grade, uh, he was a junior high state champ. Wow. Uh, so in the fall of 2015, he actually was going to be a freshman at Edmond North high school. He was a freshman at Edmond North high school, mm-hmm. uh, was going to be on our wrestling team. And what was going to be kind of neat about it was that him and I talked, it'd be the first time that I'd actually be his like official coach. Yeah. Growing up through little league, I'd always helped with the, with the little league team. And I'd been like an assistant coach when he was on the program, but I was real cautious about being his main coach. I always wanted to let uh, other people, because I knew that line between coach and dad can get blurred sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's not good for either of us. It's not good for that relationship, that father-son relationship. So I've been blessed. Uh, One of our little league coaches was Justin Rosen. So he had coached Colton when he was in little league. Uh, Hardell Moore, he still runs Oklahoma Wrestling Academy. He coached Colton. Uh, all through those years and I would be able to just kind of sit back and be a little more of a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with him becoming a ninth and then in junior high, even on the junior high team for Evan North, he was coached by junior high coaches. So I wasn't the main coach again. Larry yeah. Tettleton is one of our junior high coaches, John Becker. Uh, but again, his ninth grade year, he'd be on our high school team. And I was like, Hey, we can't avoid this anymore. I'm now going to be your coach Colton. So we talked about it a little bit. We talked about, uh, different instances that we observed where dads went across the line, yeah, you know, and it just, it just made for a bad, a bad situation. So I think we were ready for it. Uh, so anyway, he starts his freshman year, Edmund North, ninth grader, uh, and fall break comes along 2015 and he was looking for something to do with some friends. It was before we really got into to wrestling season. And he got invited to go on a hunting trip in like Medford, Oklahoma. Had never hunted before in his life. Mm-hmm. And I was a little leery about it. Um, but the family he was going with, I knew the dad, and the dad was like this expert hunter. He yeah. told him, you know, he let us know that hey, he was gonna go through all this special training and stuff like that. So that, you know, gave us a little more peace of mind. So he goes on this trip and they drive up there, and I guess they went hunting. Uh, and I, I texted him a little bit during that day to ask if he got a deer, he didn't get a deer or whatever. <laughs> so then I didn't hear from him. So I imagine they were just hanging out with, with friends and stuff. So we're back at the house in Edmond, Oklahoma with Angie Layton and I, and pretty late at night, I decided to go to bed. It's a little before midnight. 
I hadn't quite fallen asleep yet. And uh, I heard the doorbell ringing. And I'm thinking, who in the world is, you know, ringing my doorbell at this time of night? Uh, so the dog is in the house, the dog. And I walk out from, you know, down the hall to the front room. And I didn't want to just open the door. So I kind of peeked out the window. I think I told you, sir, that I remembered seeing some guy in a white coat, a white jacket of some sort. Uh, and that's all I saw at first. Mm -hmm. So I was like, who's coming to my door you know, after midnight? So I just yelled out. I'm like, uh, who is it? And then I heard this voice say, it's Oklahoma Highway Patrol. So I kind of looked out the window again through this. It's a little skinny window. And that's when I saw the police officers standing there. So I opened the door a little bit because the dog was there. And he just said, uh, uh, do you have a son named Colton Schneider? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, well, can you uh, put your dog up and can we come in? So I was thinking, oh, you know, what happened? Oklahoma Highway Patrol, my first thing is thinking they weren't driving anywhere. What would have happened? Uh, they were hunting. So I put the dog up. By that time, uh, Angie and Leighton had actually woken up and they had come out to the main room. So uh, I had to sit down in the chair. And they just told us that Colton had been killed that night in an ATV accident. I, was, I mentioned a minute ago about thinking that we have this, I don't know, this illusion of control of our lives. I tell you what, I didn't even know. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they kept talking a little bit. I couldn't tell you what they said anymore past that. I mean, it hit me. And, and what do you do? It's I say Angie's crying. Leighton, Leighton was 10 at the time. I think he just didn't know what to do. He saw his parents there just uh, in a situation he'd never position they never seen he'd never seen them before in. Oh, I remember hearing them out and I went down the hall and I remember punching a hole in the wall, going to, back down to the bedroom. I was gonna call. I called, I ended up calling the dad that had taken Colton on the hunting trip. Mm. You know, he picked up the phone and he's in tears. He's crying. I guess that their protocol is that he wasn't allowed to call and let me know what had happened. They had told him they had to come tell us in person. So uh, that's when I kind of found out a little more about what happened. It happened, I guess, about three hours earlier. Uh, so it was a little after nine at night, I think. It was when Colton was on an ATV that ended up rolling over. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a Ranger, and it rolled over on top of him. So when I I, I read your uh, your statements and about defining moments, and either you define the moment or you let the moment define you, and. As I read that, I'm still, I'll tell you, it's, it'll be three years 
Colton died in mm-hmm. October. And I don't, I think you're supposed to maybe define the moment, but that moment still, I think, and I don't know if it'll be forever. It, it defines, it defines me, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, that, so bringing Nate Gomez into this is when I realized, um, what was going on through social media and, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not a champion of, of words and I can't say man coach man i understand because i'll never understand you know you just don't me i don't i can say that and uh you're right sometimes those moments just they they keep going and i feel honored that it it takes some strength and courage to come in and even talk about this coach and what I love about your spirit is you haven't let his spirit go away. It's not like, oh, well, three years ago, you, kids are still celebrating. They're wearing shirts with CJS on it. Uh, I've seen pictures that Nate has taken that has those initials. And I think that's awesome. And it should always be like that, in my opinion. Because obviously, you know, he's he's your son and he will always be your son. Right. So do you guys as a, a, a parents and a coach and high school and wrestling team, how do you guys honor him? Do you have special tournaments or fundraisers? Yeah. So, uh, and they go. Uh, it was kind of weird. just the timing of all this and still looking back is just how, excuse me, uh, kind of happened after Colton died that Nate had, Nate at Gomez had lost his job uh, just a little before that. And mm-hmm. I had, I had asked him about coming to coach with me and never really heard back from him. But anyway, he, uh, after Colton had died, he had this time in his hands because he was, he didn't have a job at the time. And he just walked, I don't want to say he walked me through it because I'm not through it. Right. But he walked alongside me that first year and was a great support. I mean, there's support from all kinds of people. Uh, yeah. I don't want to say that he was the only person. Family members have been great. The community. Uh, he actually did end up joining our staff that year. Uh, he helped me get kind of go back to coaching uh, i wasn't sure what to do I, it's the first few weeks i was just in a fog angie and i both were of you know what do you do from here where do you go there's nothing in life that prepares you for i don't think uh, uh, a child dying yeah uh, i did end up going back to coaching uh, you know and and i went back Probably in the back of my mind, I knew that, you know, these kids at the same time, these are Colton's best friends that are on the wrestling team. They're just going through a traumatic event as well, losing a teammate and a friend. Uh, so maybe me going back to help them through it, mm-hmm. 
Uh, but really, and I, I sat down and talked to them several times, they're really the ones that helped me through. I mean, getting to watch them wrestle kind of, for me, it's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. For my wife, it's harder. It's kind of different the way different people uh, deal with grief. There's some things we do as a team. Uh, Colton had these, it's, I don't know what his really meaning behind it was. He had Instagram account, mm-hmm. had Twitter. And I remember his Instagram account. I don't know why, where he got the quote or whatever. I've looked it up, but it said, love is getting up every morning and living out the rest of the day. Like it could be your last. And it's just so weird because he put that on his Instagram, like just a few months before he ended up dying. Mm-hmm. And then tweeted out like a month before he died, he tweeted out this tweet that said, uh, changing I have to to I get to will do a 180 degree twist on your view of things. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty cool that my that my younger son, my son, Colton, younger than me, has given me advice. Yeah. And that's how you know, those are some of the things I live my day by. I have. I ended up putting those on a big poster and put them in my classroom. Now I see them, uh, the rest, we wrote them on the wrestling room wall. Uh, we do have a tournament every year that honors Colton. Uh, we always had kind of a preseason tournament and they ended up just renaming it the Colton Schneider Memorial tournament. Uh, so they sell shirts there. I had a former wrestler that actually came up with the CJS design Colton's Mm -hmm. initials were was Colton Joseph Schneider. So that's where that design kind of came from. Uh, I actually got a tattoo of it. I never thought I'd get a tattoo <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Uh, and my wife I even got a tattoo. I mean, of mm-hmm. all people, she would be the last person to get a tattoo. <laughs> uh, so, so still being involved in wrestling. Some people have asked me, how in the world can you do it? And like I said, it's just, maybe it's therapeutic for me. It doesn't mm-hmm. help me. Some people, I think, when they go through a tragic event, they immerse themselves in being busy so they forget about it. I don't want to forget about it. Like right. You mentioned it. I mean, I don't want to forget about my son. Nope. Uh, if it's hard, it's hard. It's just, that's, that's what it, that's what it is. A uh, uh, couple other little things I like to live by little quotes are that you can always do better. And then no matter how bad you have it, there's someone that has it worse than you. Yeah. So I always kind of, I teach in Edmond. So in Edmond, we have some affluent kids yeah. uh, that come from pretty good backgrounds. <laughs> and we have some kids that are struggling as well. But right. so when they complain, I kind of remind them of those things that, you know, you can do better. And then mm-hmm. you might think you have it bad, but someone has it worse. Yeah. I remember after, uh, I think it was like the day after Colton died, that the book I went to, the Bible that I opened up and started reading again was the book, uh, was Job. And the story of Job, I mean, he has like his entire life taken away from him. His whole family is taken away. Everything he stood for and everything. Uh, reading through that. And that, again, not to say that. I don't know that statement that someone has it worse than you, but reading that maybe just. Help me relate to Job more. Mm-hmm. They did a candlelight vigil for Colton as well at our we have a pond in our neighborhood and there were i can't tell you how many people were there my little brother was there and took a video of the people walking they walked down the street in our neighborhood to the pond wow and they had these candles and uh 
one of the things they did, they had these little candles that were, they light up, I guess, and put them on water. Kind of neat wow, technology. Yeah. They don't have, it's not a real flame. But uh, anyway, they played a song uh, during that candlelight vigil called It Is Well With My Soul. And at the time, I remember listening to that song. It just stuck in my head just because, uh, I don't know, playing that that night. It's the middle of the night. All these people, there's like hundreds of people around this little pond in their neighborhood. And that song's playing. And to be honest, I'm thinking, it's not well with my soul. I was mad. I was angry. Uh, and the story of Job, I mean, he spends like 40 chapters complaining and mad at God for what happened. Yeah. And and I'll be truthful. I've been mad at God. Uh, and I've, I've not come to full terms with it. Mm. I mean, I think it's a process that's going to be ongoing. Um, I know God has a good plan. But anyway, so listen to that song. I went and researched it a little bit. It's actually written by a guy who was on a ship. He was going, he had sent his family off across the ocean uh, to go meet like in England or something. Yeah. On the way, his wife and four daughters, the, the ship hit another ship and his four daughters were killed. Oh, man. All at one time. So his wife went on, she wrote back the letter. So he just hears about the death of his, of his kids. And on his way over there, he wrote that song. And I'm thinking, if this guy who just lost his four daughters can write, say it is well with my soul, I'm like, that's what I want to get to. So it's almost like that. So these, these little things, I guess, my life that are working toward. Again, is it well? There's days I'm still mad. Yeah. Um, but I also understand, I believe that. Colton was a believer. He had given his life to Christ. He is in a, a place that's much better than this world. Yeah. Uh, I gave a talk to our FCA kids, and I, I don't know how much time we have. Oh, left, we got, we're going, Coach. We're I, good. But I kind of related it back to uh, one of my favorite movies, a movie called The Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. So in the movie, you know, the, the main character, Andy Dufresne, gets put in prison for a crime he didn't commit and everything. But, uh, but it's almost like I, in my talk, I kind of related prison to this world. We live in a fallen world. That's obvious. There's pain and suffering all around us. Mm -hmm. So in the story, in the movie, Andy gets, he breaks out and gets free. And the part of it that really spoke to me, that little movie, just one little clip was that all these guys are back in prison that were great friends of Andy. And they knew what happened. They knew he broke free and escaped from prison. They knew he was now free of that. And they're sitting there talking about Andy and they're sharing stories. They're laughing, sharing stories about him, memories. <laughs> At the same time, they're sad they don't get to see him anymore. But not one of them would ever want him back in prison. Right. You know, he's free now. Uh, and that, that in the pastor who did Colton's uh, funeral kind of mentioned mm -hmm. that same thing, that even though we grieve for Colton and we want him back here, where he's at now, it's just uncomparable to this yeah. place. We wouldn't yeah. want so from what the pastor said in that, that movie, you know, I kind of put that together. I talked, uh, that's the only other time actually that I've talked about Colton publicly. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of how I see it. I see that I'm, you know, I'm a believer. So, you know, I have faith that, you know, Colton's in heaven. That's, so I have to know that he's in it. You know, everyone, the cliche statement is he's in a better state, better place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but 
as cliche as that is, it's also the truth. I was going to say the exact same thing. I agree with you. And I'll be honest, what you said about Colton, about one of his quotes is, I get to, I don't have to. And how brilliant is that to have in your classrooms? Just those words. Because, yeah, we we get to do things. And I mean, just a simple like, oh, you don't have to buy me lunch. Well, you're right. I don't have to. But I get to and I want to. It's important. That's powerful. Very, very powerful. And I, I, I feel that's awesome how to remind yourself of Colton, the world, friends, family. It's important. It will always continue to be important, Coach. And the final thing that I want to mention about that night, so the night of the vigil when I got to hear that song, yeah. it as well. Um, right after that song, they had everyone kind of cover up their candle and they actually gave an invitation to to become a believer, to follow Jesus and become a believer. And there were over 100 kids that put their candle in the water. And you know, I was still in tears at the time through the whole thing. And my wife, who's super strong, she's an amazing woman. She turned to me and she said, that's because of our son. Yeah. yeah. Those kids are coming to Christ because of our son. Wow. That's... That's super special. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you talk about religion and following Christ, and you know, I know in that in that religion, it talks a lot about being a servant leader and giving back, contributing. So, what, how how do you think you contribute now to society uh, based on? your moments that you've gone through life yeah so um it actually goes way back when i first started teaching after a few years of teaching i had had a different point in mind i never again i never thought i was going to be a teacher um even when i was finishing up my teaching degree i was working at sam's club and in edmond and i had actually talked to the manager there about going to the management program Mm -hmm. and probably making a lot more money than teacher <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um, and staying working for uh, for Sam's club. Um, uh, in fact, those first few years of teaching in the summer, I would go back to Sam's club. Okay. So still, you know, just, you know, still keeping that tie, those ties. There. Yeah. But what I realized is that when, during the year when I was teaching, I was waking up and going to work and it didn't feel like work. Um, it felt my first principal is a guy named Jeff Edwards, and we sat and talked to this great guy, a great life mentor of mine. And uh, he was the one he could, he told me, he said, You're called to teach. I mean, it's obvious. You don't have to tell me. You, I just watch you. He's watching me. So I feel that I'm called to do what I do. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest with all the teacher pay in the state of oklahoma there's uh there was a teacher walkout last year yeah teacher pay and mm-hmm. and all these things and even though i agree we do need more pay i'll still tell you honestly that i would still do my job even if i wasn't getting paid very much just yeah. because uh, again i feel like i get to i get that state that quote yeah. i get to wake up and go teach and be a coach yeah uh and i use that as just a platform to try to try to give back 
I mean, the sport of wrestling has given me a lot. Uh, so coaching wrestling, uh, I like to give back that way at the same time you're influencing kids for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Uh, so I really feel just maybe blessed that way. And that yeah. the, just the career path I've chosen is one that is a day to day giving back. Right. Right. So. That's, that's amazing. That's super special. Cause I look back at here listening to the stories. You were going to go to college to wrestle and it fell through because they dropped the program. Then you started coaching at the age of 18 and you're able to carry these kids, help them through life, become super amazing men, super amazing student athletes. And you never coached or you never wrestled collegiately. And yeah, yeah you know, you got, you're an all-state coach. You've got all this going. It's, it's legit coach. Well done on that. And also at the same time, you go through all these moments, you know, and, and obviously with, uh, the passing of Colton, you're still able to keep that spirit alive. And I admire that so much. And I'll go back to it. That quote, I get to, uh, I, I don't have to, it's so important. And that's, a. I would not mind if you make these signs, I would love to put one in my office because it's so important. You walk through or you walk into your classroom. That's there's that sign. You walk, I could walk into my office and there's that sign. Or you just think about it when you go through life. Yeah. Coach, awesome. And uh, the probably the best example of that quote, not just a picture in the words of it, mm -hmm. I'll tell you has been my uh, my son Leighton. Mm -hmm. So Leighton, as I mentioned, he was 10 when Colton passed away. And now yeah. he's 13. And, you know, I've never sat down and shared with Leighton because maybe out of fear, mm -hmm. but... I've read stories and, and just, or just imagine how he could have reacted to this whole situation, losing his brother. It's his only brother. I mean, they played together all the time as this is, I mean, Colton was about a little less than five years older than Layton. So this is, you know, his best friend, the guy he looks up to. Uh, in fact, we have two bedrooms we have three bedroom house. So they stayed in the same bedroom where Colton had gotten to be in high school. And Colt said, Hey, I want my own room. Mom and dad, is that okay? <laughs> so we went ahead and let one room be Layton's, one room be Colton's. And that happened just about the summer right before Colton's freshman year. We kind of did that old change. Got the rooms both set up, said, Layton, you got your own room now. Colton, you got your own room. And every single night we might put him in bed, but Layton would get up and go <laughs> and sleep in the bed with his brother Colton. Yeah. So here he is. He's, he's lost. You know, kid that he, you know, sleeps with every night. His older brother, his playmate, his role model, and I mean, again, in my mind, I've imagined this could have been just horrible for him. He could have gone into a huge state of depression. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the future holds, but I'll tell you, it's if you want to see that quote living in action, just look at Leighton Schneider. Yeah, Leighton. He lives. They talk about living your dash, mm -hmm. and Leighton does that. He is a kid that uh, he'll talk to a wall so he can make friends with yeah, everyone. Yeah. Um, out, super outgoing personality. I don't know where he gets it. My wife and I are not <laughs> like that. Um, uh, just a, 
just a heart of gold. I mean, he and he knows what happens. It's not like he's blocking it out. That's mm-hmm. the thing we were I was afraid of is that he was acting that way because he was trying to forget about. But he's written. You know, I write a lot, and, mm-hmm. and Layton's written some stuff about his brother. He mentioned things we visited with a counselor, and he's opened up and talked about Colton. So he knows what happened, but yet he still can live this life of just. I don't know how to even describe it. Uh, it's really, he, he lives with the I get to attitude. Yeah. That's awesome. Love it. My last question for you, coach, is how do you want to be remembered? I guess it's someone who lived for something bigger than myself. I think that's... Uh, That's a big part of being, I think, what a man is. That's what I try to preach to a lot of my athletes is that you know, uh, the society looks at a person and says, like, how much money do you have? Or maybe women that you have or success or gold medals or whatever you have. Um, but really, to be a man, I think, is living for something bigger than yourself. So. I agree. And I really love that. I, I 110% in agreement with you. So do you have an email that maybe our listeners could reach out to you? Sure. Uh, I guess my home email is probably better than the school one. It's I'm confused. It's AAC Schneider. So AAC. Actually, we got it. We first just had Colton. It was Andy, Angie, Colton. Okay. So we hadn't had Leighton yet. Yeah. <laughs> but AAC altogether. Then Schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. Uh, at hotmail.com okay so aac schneider at hotmail.com yeah very good well coach thank you so much for your time uh keep up the spirit keep the student athletes in check keep your students in check keep all their parents in check and obviously you're going to keep old spirit around for a very very long time and if you do make those signs i'd love to have one all right all right thank thank you very much thank you I truly hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have a defining moment or moments you would like to share, please reach out to me. I would love to visit with you about it and share it with the world on a podcast. Here's how to find me. Visit my website, www.definingmomentspod.com. Follow me on Twitter at defmomentspod. That's at D-E-F moments pod. Search me on Facebook, Defining Moments Podcast. Follow me on Instagram, at Defining Moments Podcast. That's all one word, at Defining Moments Podcast. Subscribe to Defining Moments Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed listening to this show, I would be extremely honored if you gave us a review. This helps boost this podcast so more people can find it. Go out and be a positive influence today, every day. Make someone smile. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast.